Greetings, folks, and welcome back to the Africanist Podcast. I am your host, Bambanjai. I hope that everyone is having a wonderful and restful summer. As usual, I give a big thank you to our listeners for staying tuned to the podcast. And thank you to our followers um, on social media. So if you like the Africanist Podcast, please follow us on Twitter at the Africanist p1 and also on facebook if you have a published scholarship on africa and its diaspora do not hesitate to contact us at the africanist 2020 at gmail.com we would love to invite you on the podcast and discuss your research and projects now today i would like to welcome my colleague friend and co-host Dr. Baba Baji, and Baba is a writer and a postdoctoral fellow in comparative literature at Rutgers University's Institute for the Study of Global Racial Justice. Baba, welcome to The Africanist, and thank you for co-hosting this episode with me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Bamba. Um, it's a yes. pleasure. It's awesome. an honor. It's an honor. <laughs> So today we have the immense pleasure of welcoming one of the best, most respected, and most prolific writers of our time. And this writer is a native of Kenya and primarily writes in Gikuyu. His works include novels, plays, short stories, and essays about literary and social criticism, but he also uh, has delved into children's literature. He published 11 novels, including Whip Not Child in 1964 and Wizard of the Crow in 2004. Our guest today is also the recipient of various awards and honors, including the Zola, Zora Neale Hurston and Paul Robinson Award, for artistic and scholarly achievement. I would like to welcome Professor Ngugi Wasyango. So Baba, can you tell us more about uh, Professor Wasyango, his work and themes that are prominent in his writing? Absolutely. Thank you, Baba, for the wonderful um, chat there. Um, Obviously, we could take the whole two, three hours and the whole evening talking about um, Ngugi's profile and his literary output, right? But for the sake of time, I just want to be clear and um, short and sweet here so we can actually think with him, uh, think alongside him. Um, without further ado, I'd just like to share a few words and key points and key works here. Ngugi Wanjongo was born in 1938 in Limuru, uh, Kenya. Um, he's a philosopher, novelist, a playwright, and more importantly, a translator, if not the translator. Um, his research and thinking include African literature, African languages, Caribbean, and the Black diaspora overall. He's interested in cultural politics in the post-colonial order. Um, however, his main interests lie in the challenging interaction between the powers of languages, dominant versus marginalized ones, he reminds us that African languages and names were banned in the plantation and later in the continent as a whole. 
so much so that African people now accept Europhony to define their countries and who they are, Francophone, Anglophone, or Lusophone. But Ngugi asked the key questions that is important for, I think, all of us thinking with Africa, thinking alongside Africa. What is the impact and effect of this on culture where most people do not speak the dominant language? He is also interested in writing fiction. He reminds us that he uses the novel form to explore issues of wealth, power, and values in society and how their production and organization in society impinge on the quality of people's transcendence life. Ngugi's major works include 11 major novels and more importantly, the prize-winning Weep Not Child, 1964. He has gifted us 10 critical works of those 10. The one my co-host Bambanjai suggests we think within was Decolonizing the Mind, 1982. Memoirs includes a detained a writer prison diary, 1982, and Dreams in a Time of War, Childhood Memoir, 2010. There are four plays and one collection of short stories. Ngugi's received more than 13 academic distinctions, both at home and abroad. Among those include more than 14 awards and honors. So without further ado, Bamba, um, please take it away from here. Thank you, Babel, for that generous and wonderful introduction. Now, my first question, Professor Wachongo, in 1962, you were at the center of the first African Writers' Conference at Makerere University in Uganda. And this convention turned out to be one of the most important meetings of African writers in Africa. How did this Congress impact the trajectory of African literature and your overall literary career? Oh, it made a very big impact on me. I was then, I believe, a second year student and a graduate at Makerere University College. I had come from Kenya, which was still under the British colonial rule as a settler colony. And I was now in Uganda, which was still then also under British colonial rule, but as what they call protectorate, okay? And I began to write my first two novels of Weep No Child and The River Between as at Makere. But by the time I was invited to that conference, I had not published any book except a few short stories, the most prominent at the time being uh, The Return. But I was surrounded by these giants of African literature who had already published writers like Chinua Achebe, uh, Wallace Soyenka, uh, Ezekiel Falele, uh, the organizer of the whole conference, you know, uh, and other Louis Corsi, you know, the prominent writers of the time, 
most of them had published novels or plays or whatever. Yeah, many African countries were emerging from from colonial rule to independence. So there was a kind of hope, there's a kind of energy in a conference that I have not seen, that I have not, I have not encountered in many uh, conferences since. There was hope, there was joy, there was vigor, there was a fighting spirit. There was a new energy of hope for a new continent emerging from colonial rule. So it was had a big impact on me. Yeah. But let me just say this, but I might not just, yeah. but I not Please. I don't then realize <laughs> that we were <laughs> all the writers who met there were actually intellectual prisoners of colonial prison. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of colonial rule. By this I mean we are all prisoners of English language. Okay. Mm-hmm. We are all Africans by the color of our skin, huh? but our minds were already captives of English. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that leads us to the next question here. Um, the issue of language, African languages versus European languages, was certainly one of the most prominent point of contention at the Makerere Conference in 1962. Yeah. In addition, Let me just say this. First of all, there was not a a single, put it this way, a conference of African writers on the continent of Africa without a single African writer in any African language. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. How could you call yourself African writers? And we were not writing in any African language, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's why I call, I say we are prisoners and we don't, and we are <laughs> proud. We are very proud of our <laughs> captivity, right? <laughs> very proud. Huh? <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And and um, in addition, over the decades, African literature has always been defined and redefined in relation to languages. Is it still relevant in the twenty first century? Yeah. Listen, if you found you have not found French literature written in Japanese or French literature written in Wolof. Huh? <laughs> in other words, <laughs> I mean, why do we accept this abnormality? Mm-hmm. Honest. Huh? Why do we why the con the whole continent of Africa with brilliant minds? You know what? How? Which other continent describes itself by languages of another continent mm-hmm. right Russian writers in Polish have you ever heard of such a thing right or Chinese writers who wrote in Hindi 
right? And you call it, and you call it Chinese literature and they write in Hindi. But why do we, the continent, act such absurdities as norm, right? Right? What's the nonsense about French literature, Afro African literature, but in French, right? Or African literature in Portuguese? What about literature written in Wolof or Ibo or Yoruba mm -hmm. or Kiswahili? What do we call that literature, right? We accept negation of ourselves as a norm. Even the best minds of us, like, uh, like Senda Senghor, they were prisoners of French. They were taken captives a long time ago. And they were very proud of their prison status, huh? right? And they were negritude, but of course, in, in French or in... <laughs> they are defining their blackness in French, huh? right? Uh, we've been misled for so long. I don't know why we accept this prison status. And we are very proud. Oh, proud, proud. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that after that conference, because later on in the 1970s, if I'm not mistaken, you switched from writing in English to writing in Gikuyu. Yes, yeah, that's, that's when I broke from prison, okay? <laughs> Fine. I broke from prison. And the other prisoners were saying, oh, how can he break from prison? Prison is so beautiful, huh? right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We can't go continue this kind of absurdity. I call, it, I call it normalized abnormality. Huh? Mm. Normalized abnormality of the colonial system. Yeah. Normalized abnormality. Abnormality, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. We yes. can use these languages, like now we are speaking English, mm -hmm. okay? But we could as well be speaking French or Mandarin mm -hmm. or any other language that makes us, our languages communicate with one another, huh? mm -hmm. right? In other words, I can be rooted in Wolof, right? Mm -hmm. And add English to it. You can be rooted in Wolof and add French to it and add English to it and any other language you want. But for African prisoners, we negate our own languages and embrace the languages of our captivity. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's negation of our languages. That's our foundational base of our prison system, right? But if you knew all of and work in it, then add to it English or French or Russian or Mandarin. That's power, that's empowerment, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's very obvious, my friend, 
Why don't you? It's on the continent of Africa where we had to say to to prove that we know French. We had to you know even negate our. We, we say, you know, even Senghor used to say when he talked of French, he would oh my God, he'd go into a zoo into a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a brilliant son of Africa. Mm -hmm. But he was a prisoner. Right? And he used to praise prison conditions as being beautiful and universal. Right? This is what I mean. Senghor was a brilliant writer. Huh? And many African writers are brilliant writers. I'm mm -hmm. not denying their brilliance, okay? Chinua Chebe, Wal Soinka, you know, they are brilliant writers, okay? But it takes, what's his name again? Uh, this, uh, there is a uh, uh, Senegalese writer who started publishing in Wolof. Boris Job. Huh? Yes, Diop. It is taking a generation of Diop to break free from Senghorian prison. It, and it's very important what he is doing. He's helping break free of prison. And I hope you help many of the Senegalese to break, break, break free of the French prison. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to break free from the yeah. French prison. Break free and live. Huh? Yes. <laughs> and then you can visit the car. You can live in the car. But you can also visit the parties. There's nothing wrong with that, mm -hmm. right? But you mm -hmm. don't say you don't deny Dakar for parties, huh? but mm -hmm. you can visit Paris. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. But you say Paris is really my real home. I mean, no, it, it's so ridiculous, so absurd, my friends, right? Okay. Okay. Indépendance, yeah. tcha on a gagné La précieuse liberté tant méritée Et dans les rues ce soir on va danser Pour célébrer tous nos héros tombés L'indépendance, tcha est arrivée Nous allons en fait être récompensés Et dans les rues ce soir on va chanter Pour remercier ceux qui nous ont libérés So this this professor uh, brings back also the issue of translation that Baba mentioned in his introduction. So yeah. why, or in this context, how important is translation? Either work that is originally written in African languages and translated into yeah. non-African languages, like your work, for instance, vice versa. And right in the wall of, and your work into Gekoyo, into Kiswahili, into Zulu, into Igbo, into Yoruba, into Luganda, right? And the other way around. Imagine what that would mean for the continent. A work originally written in a wall of, then translated into Zulu in South Africa, trying to into Kiswahili in East Africa, and that kind of thing. Huh? Mm -hmm. It will mean an Africa 
liberated and able to speak within itself. And what is that? It can add European languages if they want to, or Russian languages or Indian Asian language. That's okay. Yeah. But we are, we cannot accept negation as a norm. Translation will help us. We'll help our languages communicate with one another, have a dialogue among African languages, right? Mm -hmm. Just now, I believe uh, is, Diop is working with a Kenyan publisher mm. called, uh, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Bosbori. Huh? So mm -hmm. Bosbori of Kenya is working with Boris of, huh? mm -hmm. right? The Bosbori of Kenya, she's published into Ekegusi. And also public translations into Ekerusi, right? But they're in communication with bodies of okay, so the works from all of can be translated into Ekerusi of Kenya and the other way around. So these two young intellectuals are, are, are lighting the path for African liberation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're showing us the way. And translation obviously will be a very important uh uh language enabling African languages to talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. And even get good French literature into African languages, get Molière into into all of, okay, get mm -hmm. Shakespeare into Ekegusi, as they have started doing. Get the best of European literatures into, get it. They've been getting from us all the time. Now let's do the other way around. Get mm -hmm. from them and put it into our languages, right? Yes. But now, you know what we do? <laughs> what we get from their languages, ah, we are very happy, we just hide in their languages. <laughs> and, and even when we take it and enrich it, we give it back to them. Right. Let's so let's follow the path of um uh what's in again the Senegal, the wall of publisher and the Kenyan publisher. Okay. Mm -hmm. The path they are setting is very, very important for the future of the continent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we need more publishers and governments as well. There's this stupidity of Senegalese government spending a lot of money on French. Why would they compete with French government in developing French in Senegal? Because even a quarter of the you know, all of an African language in Senegal, right? Mm -hmm. This is not competing with, with Macron in developing their French. What's all, what's all this? And African government, the problem in Africa is that African people are now being led by prisoners of foreign governments. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I would we, we would like to talk more about that also later on when we delve into politics and current news in Africa. But I would like to know because 
freedom of expression through creative writing has historically been met with African governmental repression. Many writers, including yourself, Alex Laguma, Tamara Lai from Guinea, among others, for instance, left their countries of origin, partly due to the governmental repression. My question mm. is, how should writers, especially in Africa, navigate a repressive environment? And what should be their role when I, autocracy threatens their existence? The African writer or any writer, his or her first responsibility is to the people of Africa, the people of Europe for writers from Europe, the people of Asia for writers of Asia. That's their primary responsibility. And you can only talk to the people of that continent in the languages they speak, right? Right? You know, in other words, in other words, no matter how we look at it, we have to face the reality of African languages because our primary accountability and responsibility is to the people of the continent. Now it's a case of prisoners fighting with other prisoners, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. African, African prisoners who are now leading Afghans <laughs> fighting with other prisoners who are saying, oh, let's be free or something else. Let's free ourselves from prison. Mm. Yeah, that, get out of this prison. You know, no, no, we shall put in another prison. Yeah, we don't want to get out of prison. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm. So when they hear some people complaining, Oh, let's get out of this prison. Ah, traitors, right? Huh? Why do you want us to get us in, out of this prison? French prison is the best. Anglo French is the best. Portuguese prison is the best, right? Mm. Yeah. That's what African heads of state do these days. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> my. <laughs> <laughs> Baba, right. I want you to, be, to join the those of us who are breaking free of that prison. You have a responsibility <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yes, Baba. Yeah. Yes. Join the freedom I movement, will. Baba. Yeah, yeah. I will. I Let's get free of this prison. Yeah. Thank you. Then Thank we, you. Then we can use English or French. For, you know, like, oh, we can also speak in your language, right? We can mm -hmm. use our own languages, but you know what? We cannot speak yours, right? Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And Nick, thank you, Professor. What a gift to be with you here. My, my question would be, what do you think of African politics and development today, especially with regard to the resurgence of military coups and unlawful constitutional changes to remain in power? Again, the problem is when prisoners fight with each other, <laughs> it's a very, you know, I was in prison once and it's a prison that do fight with each other as who is a better prisoner. Right, mm. or who should sell the flag for prisoners? All right, 
No. If really leadership was accountable to the people of the continent, that should be the starting thinking of anything we do in the continent, right? Our people, the small farmers, the working people of our continent, right? That's where we to start, right? You know, and the gun cannot lead politics. It's the politics of the people that should be leading the gun in the continent, not the other way around, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now the, uh, I, it's, it's what, it can be a quite, my friends, quite not so sad. It will be comical, huh? right? But it's not comedy, unfortunately. For African peoples, it means something else. It's death and desolation. But wow. we put working people of Africa at the center of our politics and organization, okay? We'd have a different continent. We'd realize that we'd have the necessity of African unity. Huh? Would be priority number one, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because we'd realize we need to be together as a continent to protect the resources of the continent. Otherwise, how come, think about it, French, let's say France, cannot even fit in Senegal. France is probably small, smaller than Senegal or the same size as Senegal, right? And France controls, <laughs> I don't know how many countries controls in Africa. The same with Britain was an island, cannot fit even to Madagascar, right? How such a small island was able to subjugate a whole continent, right? Mm -hmm. And why does it continue to subjugate them mentally and all that kind of Why? We have more resources in the continent, the combined European countries. But how come our resources go to end up to develop Europe and not the continent, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Those are questions of our politics and our economies. Right? Are we protecting the resources of the continent? We make things with them and we exchange with other communities, other nations, on equal give and equal take. Huh? But this, this, we even allow Europeans to come and test their nuclear powers on our continent. Right? Mm -hmm. Friends, it's explosive. <laughs> yeah. They don't explode their bombs in France. They come to test them in Africa. Right? What are we as a people? Right? Mm -hmm. All right. That's that's that. that's a good that's a good question. What are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to allow those powers to come and you know, take what they need from our they resources. They get our uranium, they get mm -hmm. our cobalt, they get our copper, they get our gold, they get our diamond, everything. Huh? They take them, France, make things with them, and then come and sell those things to us. Huh? Trinkets from Europe, made by our gold and our diamonds. Mm -hmm. Right? Why aren't African 
not coming together to see how they can protect the resources of the continent as a whole. Mm -hmm. Right? L'Europe a la technologie, mais pas les matières premières. Elle accoste sur nos côtes et prend le contrôle de nos terres. Mission civilisatrice, soi-disant humanitaire. Fini la traite négrière, place à la force militaire. 1885, conférence de Berlin. Les puissances occidentales ont eu droit à leur festin. 30 millions de kilomètres carrés de richesses à portée de main. Le gâteau Afrique partagé sans la présence d'Africains. Ils ont créé des frontières, érigé des barrières, divisé des peuples aux relations plusieurs fois séculaires Ils tracent des lignes et des courbes sur une carte S'appropriant nos montagnes, nos rivières et nos lacs Effaçant de nos mémoires, nos empires et nos royaumes Dahomey, Congo, Zulu, disparus tels des fantômes Imposant leur hiérarchie, détrônant nos monarchies Impunément ils font régner la peur et la tyrannie Nous dictant leur religion, leur culture et leurs lois Et nos héros résistent pour chasser comme des hors-la-loi Mamichekou, Samori, Ladjoru, Chaka, Béanzé, El Hajj, Omar, El Mahdi Au Soudan, les indigènes par la chicote ont été civilisés Sauvés de la damnation de force évangélisée Efforts de guerre, travaux forcés, tirailleurs sénégalais Cher à canon en ligne de front, d'une bravoure inégalée Après la guerre, la renaissance de la conscience panafricaine Il était temps de s'affranchir du colon et des Seychelles Sekoutouré, Senghor, Oufouet, Genyata, Lumumba, Mugabe, Cabral, Modi Yes, so uh, Professor, I want to take you back a little bit to the conference and after. I was curious to know what has your relationship been with other African writers, especially uh, people that, such as uh, Achebe, for instance, whom you talked about earlier and in Decolonizing the Mind, wanting him to read your hey. draft of your novel. What was your relationship with people like Achebe well, and well, also people uh, who are writing today? I admire their genius. Really? Okay? Mm -hmm. Brilliant writers like Achebe, Wallace Wenka. You know, I, even my friend, uh, the Senegalese writer, uh, who wrote God's Base of Wood, Sembed Money, right? Mm -hmm. Brilliant writers, right? Yeah. But at least should also, but it's really, until they are, they are prisoners, <laughs> then there's a problem. Your <laughs> very mind cannot realize they are prisoners. They say, oh, no, no, prison is very beautiful. We can make use of our prison. <laughs> we can, yeah, we can make, we can get the prison hours, right? Yeah, that's what they argue about. How we can make the prison hours, right? But uh, they are brilliant minds of Africa, taken prisoner. Okay, so in the same way as our gold and diamonds goes to enrich Europe, the same way our minds go to enrich English and French and Portuguese, right? Yeah, it's the same process. Mm -hmm. And what about today's writers? What's your relationship with uh, the younger generation of African writers? You see, <laughs> the young writers have, have inherited prison conditions as a normality. <laughs> <laughs> so they live in prison. They say, "Oh, we inherited the prison from our 
from uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we are very happy now we shall take it to higher uh, and really the young people should break free of that prison yeah they break free of that prison house okay be rooted in your mother tongue whatever it is then add other language to it and you are free okay mm -hmm. so that's what i'll tell the younger generation connect it's not too late connect yourself to your mother tongue or the language of your community first and foremost and if we are lucky to have an african language like Kiswahili as a continental lingua franca then add that to your mother tongue then add french and english and russian and even mandarin to yourself okay then you can go there look in mandarin see what is good there go to french see what's good there. bring it to us to our languages mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. yeah. let's be scouts good scouts right scouts who scout other cultures and other languages and bring home to our languages what is mm -hmm. best in those languages while developing our languages okay mm -hmm. yeah um this is so enlightening and um thank you so much we know you are one of the most prolific writers of our time and um we wonder we wonder how you want to think with us here what is your process of writing a book like in other words yeah. what, what inspires you how much do you write on a given day what do I you do just now i'm going through some uh challenges of health mm. my uh for instance my i have two disease which I want to talk about because they are part of me okay hmm? the first is prostate cancer okay many young men in Africa young men in Africa they don't talk about prostate cancer and it's wow. killing a lot of people in Africa so it's good for every man African man at the age of 40 or 50 to make sure they go to hospital for annual checkup of their prostate because that disease is, is uh, uh, detected early, mm -hmm. those lives can be saved. Mm -hmm. But if you go on being quiet and embarrassed about prostate cancer, when mm -hmm. I'm going to know more about it, the more young people are going to die at the age of 50 or, or thereabouts because prostate cancer because of genetic something, it affects black men on the continent and even diaspora, African-Americans, mm -hmm. okay? But we are all embarrassed talking about it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Please. That one, I've been lucky in a sense to survive it, but yeah, but please, if you're over 50, or thereabout, please get annual check of your mm -hmm. prostate 
okay? Mm -hmm. And you can live a bit longer, okay? We need you in Africa, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's important. Yeah, that's important. Please spread that message. Thank right? you so mm -hmm. much. Thank yeah. The other one I'm suffering from myself is uh, uh, my kidney failure. And then kidney failure is also, but at least in kidney failure, it's not a, an embarrassing disease. Okay. <laughs> People talk about it. Uh, so now we know more about dialysis. I go for dialysis. But remember, even our kidneys are very important, but we don't think about them when they are normal. Mm -hmm. Okay, our eating habits are important. I don't like. Mm -hmm. I don't like. I can't advise anybody on that one. But to be aware of your checkup of your kidneys, anyway. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Prevent mm -hmm. kidney failure. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, what is your daily routine like? If you don't mind sharing that with us, I don't mind. But when I was healthy i writing was my priority number one huh? mm -hmm. when i when i when i am obsessed i can write and write and write right for instance i can tell you what happened when my prostate cancer was discovered it was an accident okay it was 29 it was back and it's many about 20 years ago and I happened to take my wife to a, to a doctor for a checkup. In mm -hmm. Africa, the Africa I knew, we never go for a checkup unless you are actually ill, mm -hmm. right? With, ah, why should I go and see a doctor? I'm not ill. No, go for those checkups anyway. But anyway, I have to take my wife for a checkup. She grew up here in America. She was used to the idea of going for a checkup. And when we were there, she said, oh, check him as well, in a joke. And I said, ah, but I was saying, ah, but I'm not ill. No, no, you'll get, get check up. Mm -hmm. She said, check him up. She told the doctor, you know. Okay. So he checked me. He came back. He told me I had advanced at prostate cancer. And I had only three months to live. Wow. We wow. went for a second opinion. I was giving mm -hmm. the same opinion. And now that's when I did not know what to do. So I did the only thing I know to do. I started writing the novel called Wizard of the Crow in Igekoyo. Mm -hmm. uh, now mm -hmm. in English, The Wizard of the Crow. Mm -hmm. And it was, good. it was going to be my farewell novel. So I was writing it night and day wherever I go at railway stations at you know uh travel by at at airports wherever I had a chance mm -hmm. but the novel went on one year two years I'm becoming desperate five years and then it was done mm -hmm. but that's the general what I do when an idea possesses me I follow it okay I follow it yeah Mm -hmm. I like ideas possess me, images possess me, right? When I'm possessed, I have to write it down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I don't have a plan. It's a, a possession that detects me. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, dictates to me what I do. Right. So, I, and when you have, what do you do when you have writer's block? Do you... Of course, every writer has a way. So remember, please, all writers, every writer has a writer's block. But it doesn't mean, it only means that your unconscious is still working, right? And then to break through. Wow. So writer's block are normal to every writer, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But your brains or your unconscious is still working. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, Professor, we are sending you uh, positive vibes, and uh, we are very happy that you are among us today, giving all these uh, positive uh, advice for, especially younger folks. Thank you very much for that. Um, okay. Now, um, among all the books and essays you've written, which project would you say was the most challenging one to write and why? Novels are always challenging to write, but they are very exciting. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. when mm. you write, anybody who has written knows the excitement and the joy of finishing a, a work of fiction. Even a simple short story, when you it's a pleasure you can never replace it with anything else. It's not like having gold or becoming a millionaire. Mm -hmm. It's like this one is special kind of pleasure you get, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And anyway, just follow your imagination, please. Remember, remember that imagination is the, the most, is what makes us human. Okay. Without imagination, we are not human. We are just bodies, right? And literature, art, dance feeds our imagination, but they are also products of imagination. Imagination makes makes us even imagine possible futures for the continent possible tomorrow you can imagine it a different world right but political authoritarianism does not like people imagining different worlds mm -hmm. that's why right all over the world are suppressed or have been suppressed at one time or other even 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 european countries like europe or or england um, Mm -hmm. They don't like writers generally because they imagine different worlds, different possibilities. The authoritarian states are even worse eh? because they don't like, they like this world we have is the best of all possible worlds. Eh? Right? Mm hmm they don't have to imagine another world, a different world. I live in America. America is a colonial nation, as you know. 
So also in Canada, colonial. We have colonial nations. Those are like America, uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Those are colonial nations because it's the colonizers who declared themselves free nations. <laughs> what about the colonized in America? What happened to the colonized in America? What happened to colonists in South America? What happened to the colonists in Canada? To the colonized in Australia, New Zealand? Huh? Right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm very proud of my Kenya because Kenya was a settler colony also. And it was going to go the way of New Zealand, the way of Canada, the way of America. But Kenya was the first in East, in global history to break that thread. Okay? They fought back European mm -hmm. settlers, settlerism in Kenya. And that European settler said, were not able to declare themselves independent. Okay? Kenyan people did it. But unfortunately, prisoners took over. <laughs> they don't, they don't, <laughs> they, don't, they don't want Kenya to remember that, what they did for us, Kenya and Africa and the continent. Kenya was followed later by another set of colonies, Zimbabwe. Okay? became independent. So South Africa also. But it came after Kenya had all broken the trend which had been normalized by America, South and North and Australia and, okay? Mm -hmm. So America is a colonial nation and until they change their relation to Native Americans, <laughs> I cannot accept I mean, they have to remember that the colonists who declared themselves independent in America, in Canada, in Australia, New Zealand, yeah? Mm -hmm. Normalized abnormality, okay? Normalized abnormality. Yes. Because <laughs> normal thing is for the colonized to become free and become independent. Now, the other ones, well, we call the colonizers where I say we are independent, right? Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. A colonizer can't work, colonizes, and then say, I'm now independent, right? What about the people who are colonized? What do they, what do they say? Uh, and we all accept those situations as normal. That's normalized abnormality. <laughs> D'abord que je vous dise qui je ne suis pas, je ne suis pas. Un homme noir acculturé qui ne s'assume pas C'est à l'encre de ma mélanine qu'ont été écrites Les toutes premières lignes de l'histoire qu'émise Descendant direct des pharaons nubiens Du royaume de couche des temps oubliés Le fabuleux empuré au nom des couchites Qui rivalisent avec les plus grandes dynasties d'Égypte. 
Je suis ce qu'Akel Boulan a fait de mieux Une créature des hauts richards depuis le panthéon des dieux Ma mythologie influa sur les religions révélées Judaïsme, christianisme et islam s'en inspirer Rejetons de ta tante Zambé c'est Mami Wata qui m'a engendré Ma culture était la lumière en pleine obscurité La quintessence de l'évolution de l'humanité Je viens de la terre du monde Qui porta la charte du Kourou Fuga Et le plus riche des rois connus en ce monde Le vénérable Ganga Moussa, Moussa Manza The book of ancestry can never be empty Being who you are is more than you can see Identity carries history The drama, the pain, the tribe and the name I'm Akan, I'm Fon, Ashanti, I'm Yoruba By the Kasai River, they call me Luba Swam in the Joriba, dried in the Sahara Sat with the Tuaregs and felt the Wahala Our DNA is the blueprint for humanity Know yourself, don't fall for their insanity We family, so I treat you like family that's that's a good way to, to put it again normalized abnormality yeah yeah so like you said earlier you take an enormous pleasure to carry on your imagination and when you're inspired you just keep writing yes so exactly. yeah Very so yeah. Mm -hmm. so among everything you've you've written was there one in particular that you was that you can think of as oh this one was a little bit challenging or this one was more pleasurable to write compared to the other oh. knowing that they all you know they all procured uh no. pleasure <laughs> no they are challenging but of course <laughs> i like if i can pick one for one for wizard of the crow the one i start right after discovery of my first cancer mm. because I was, I was dying every day eh? mm -hmm. I was fighting against time mm -hmm. but then I almost refused to co get completed it kept on and on and on and on one year two years three years four years five years right <laughs> and I work, was working on it day and night right mm -hmm. yeah but I've been blessed I've many others now since then, but uh, that was very, mm -hmm. very challenging. Mm -hmm. But the one book, the written in English, which has had a big, which I'm glad it's, I'm glad I, I was invited to New Zealand in 1964 to give, no, in 1984, I believe, to give lectures on language in African literature. And that's when I, Give four lectures, which became later decolonizing the mind. I'm glad that that wow. book of theory is now translated into many languages and is helping many people mm -hmm. of marginalized languages to fight back in Latin America, in the Caribbean, uh, in Asia. They read that text and they feel energized by the analysis mm -hmm. about the language situation. So I'm very happy with that particular book, although I wrote it in English, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Reflections on your skin, what it means They tell a story, a path to your origins Honor your ancestors and dance with the gods For the blessing that is life, give them your regards Pour décrypter mon histoire, sache qu'elle est écrite En guèze, en cours, en méréotique En mène des composés d'imagerie symbolique En Sibidi, en Bamoun et en Amarique Mes légendes, mes faits d'armes et mes exploits Sont gravés dans la pierre sacrée des hiéroglyphes Alors libyen entre les lignes des adinkras Mes principes de vie et mes valeurs y sont transcrites Selon la philosophie Ubuntu Je suis qui je suis grâce à qui nous sommes tous Je suis un être humain par et pour les autres Et si je suis c'est parce que j'appartiens au groupe And now professor we are nearing the end of the conversation And usually, you know, I end with what I call the the fun question or less loaded questions. So, Baba, do you want to start with the first one? Yes. Thank you again, Professor, for sharing your wisdom. So would you mind telling us your top three dishes, top three places you have visited and what made those places feel special to you and your top three novels? Oh, and we will start with top three dishes. Oh, dishes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, now I like, I don't, I like vegetables now more than anything else. Eh? Mm. Vegetables and African food, traditional African foods are the best. What in, in particular? Hell. Like Ugali in Kenya, not Ugali, but it's, in Kenya we have mixes of, I don't want to give a name, mixes of beans. Mm -hmm. and greens and uh and potatoes you know mashed together yeah mm -hmm. you know and that's really very healthy food yeah i'm i'm scared of okay let me i'm confess this happening to me now in my old age and i don't like it but i i used i come from kenya and we like what we call nyamachoma nyamachoma is, nyamachoma as roasted meats okay mm -hmm. but i'm having problem in my old age okay mm -hmm. because now when i eat meat for some reason the cry of the animal being slaughtered comes to my mind huh? mm -hmm. and so i'm not able to swallow uh red meat now because huh? mm -hmm. i can hear the cow the cry of the cow has been taken to the slaughter Right? And even chickens now they, they cry. Mm. Trying to, but when I eat vegetables, I don't hear those cries. Right? <laughs> <laughs> vegetables don't cry. <laughs> I know. So to maintain fish. Oh, and, you don't hear them cry. Yes. Yeah, fish and uh and cheese. Yeah, the others is a bit. I'm getting old. I'm 85. Maybe that's why I'm hearing those. Because I used not to hear the cry. Hmm. The yeah. Do you still like the fish soup? Because I remember in Chile, we had lunch and wanted to eat the, the fish soup. Yeah, fish. I still like fish. And okay. fish soup. And soup in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like... I, I think vegetarians actually is a very good thing. We don't realize with the best food in Africa. But we are somehow, somewhere we are, we were sort of convinced that sour meat began to take over. 
right? Mm. But you know, traditional African is very balanced food, you mm -hmm. know, vegetables and beans and peas and uh, root, yeah, grains and roots and so on. Huh? Very healthy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the Europeans came and began to pursue a steak, right? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So yeah. top three places, top three places you have visited and what made those places feel special to you? I my last visit, because my last two visits where one was in Chile. I never went to Chile. It's my first time going to Chile. Mm -hmm. And I have a special memory of Pablo Neruda because I first <laughs> met him in New York in 1966. In 1960? So we went to Chile and visiting. Huh? When did no, you I meet? first met Papa Neruda in New York in 1966. Okay. But here I now was very lately into Chile for the first time. And I was able to visit his house, his museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was really wonderful for me. Yeah. The other place I was I visited lately was Trinidad. Right? Trinidad. And, yeah. The first convener of Pan African Congress came from Trinidad. Huh? We don't realize how much those islands have intellectually contributed to the continent. Mm -hmm. to the outgoing of the continent, right? Henry Silvester Williams, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have a respect for those islands or diaspora in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the last place? Oh, I mentioned Chile and then Trinidad. Yes. Yeah. Those two. But do, but do remember the visits, of course, like I once was privileged to be in Grenada when mm. the bishop was still running the revolution. Then the Americans came and overthrew him and had him killed and they took over the island. Huh? Mm. Like they did come and Krumah. Okay? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. let, me, let me tell you, can you give you an example of normalized abnormality? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Ghana. Mm -hmm. I love Ghana. Everybody knows how much Kwame Nkrumah envisioned the Pan-Africanism Kwame Nkrumah. Ghana being the one of the earliest to come from Britain to get independence. Mm -hmm. okay? Kwame Nkrumah was huge for the continent. For the, for the continent. He believed that the independence of Ghana was not complete without the liberation of the rest of the continent. Mm -hmm. What the British and Americans do? <laughs> they organize their former colonial soldiers or colonists <laughs> to, 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 to overthrow Nkrumah. Okay? Mm -hmm. One of them was Kot Kotoko. Kotoko. <laughs> mm -hmm. Think that they, Ghana, would name their biggest airport. Yes. 
and a common crewman. No. You know what they have named their airport after whom? Kotoko. Mm -hmm. the, the colonial <laughs> soul, policeman who you know overthrew Krumah on behalf of the British. Today they call their airport Kotoko Airport. Mm -hmm. That's normalized abnormality. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is a no, that's that's the that's the, I mean. I, I I totally agree with you that this, the absurdity of things like that all across the continent is just yeah. astounding. Mm -hmm. Because as a whole tribute to the Ghanaian, please rename that airport after common Krumah, not the traitor to Africa. Right. Mm. Yeah. Professor, would you mind um, sharing with us your three favorite novels? three novels that you absolutely read and fell for them? Oh, by any, by any writer? Huh? Yes, by any, by writer. any writer. Oh, okay, let's start with uh, uh, Seben Usmane. Okay. Nice. Because everybody should read that novel. It should be translated into every African language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my author favorite. He was a thing. He was a oh my god! Mm -hmm. I was country knew the treasure, the treasures they have. I was never knows <laughs> what a treasure Sabena Usmane was or still is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh that's great. Of course, I still, I still like Chinua Achebe's things fall apart, right? Mm -hmm. And I still like. Uh, this girl's name, I was have this Chimamanda. Chimamanda. Huh? Yeah, she wrote a novel called The Half of a Yellow Sun. Huh? Mm -hmm. wow. I would say every novelist should read that novel because it's imaginative in every, I mean, technique wise, everything. I don't know how she did it at such a young age, right? Wow. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, I I call it a, a novelist no a novelist novel a novelist novel huh? <laughs> a writer's novel right <laughs> in other words as a writer when you read it you learn something about technique and other things okay and she was very young when she did it right mm -hmm. excellent professor it was an immense pleasure to have you on the Africanist podcast to share with us uh, your thoughts on African literature, development, and you, economy. And you, you as the African, I challenge you mm -hmm. that Africa has its own languages, okay? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Baba, so you, 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 you heard that? Yes, uh, yes, yes. You call the, the Africanist, then she joined the campaign for restoring African language to their place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And as I said, it doesn't mean that you don't learn French or English, mm -hmm. okay. but you add to what we have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, thank Absolutely. you for all the wisdom, Professor. Baba, any concluding statements? No, this has been great. Thank you, Professor. I'm sure you'll hear from us again. Um, okay. It's been 
It's been thrilling, and we wish you well, and we wish you a very quick recovery. Any, any time. I like to see young people in the future of the continent, okay? And we, we don't want to become enslaved like we, our generation, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we're trying to break free. We will break free from the prison. Break free, my friends. <laughs> Help us to become free. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Professor. And on that note, I give you guys rendezvous uh, for another episode of the Africanist podcast with another special guest. In the meantime, stay safe and healthy and enjoy your summer. Africa. Africa.